In May of 2020, in response to the COVID-19 pandemic, the International Confederation of Midwives released a global call to action. We are facing a global health crisis. Health systems are being tested as shortages of both staff and resources place intensive pressure on services. As the world struggles to get COVID-19 under control, our global health workforce is under increasing strain and women-centered midwifery care is more at risk than ever. The following actions will ensure the continuation of midwife-led care and the protection of maternal health and rights. One, ensure equitable availability of personal protective equipment or PPE for midwives, regardless of their work environment, supported by additional training on correct and appropriate usage of PPE. Two, include midwives in policy decision-making, planning, and response to COVID-19. Three, stop the redeployment of midwives and ensure the quality of midwifery care. Four, protect pregnant women and their newborns and uphold their right to a positive birthing experience. Five, uphold women's sexual and reproductive rights. And six, prioritize funding for maternal health services and basic resources to midwives associations to support midwives providing community-based care and working to reach the most vulnerable. You can find that global call to action on the International Confederation of Midwives page. And today we get to hear an interview from the president of ICM, Franca Cadet. Okay, welcome to another episode of Journey to Midwifery podcast. This episode is really special. Um, I have a, an amazing guest on. And I'm going to let her give her intro. So, hello. Welcome. Hi. Hi. Lovely to speak to you. Good morning. Or it's your morning. I think it's my it's afternoon. My morning. Yes, I'm in the <laughs> Netherlands. Yes. So, Franca, tell us who you are and, and what you do. So we know okay. where you're coming from. Thank you. Uh, my name is Franca Cadet. I'm a midwife. I have been a midwife since I was about 23 because I was actually first an anthropologist and through my anthropology, I became interested in women and birth and sexual reproductive rights. And I then became a midwife uh, when I was about 23, 24. It was a life changing experience for me. Becoming a midwife has really given me like a direction and meaning in life. I feel terribly passionate about midwifery to the point that people, I think, sometimes get slightly tired <laughs> of, of how, because it's, it's, I feel it is so meaningful. I feel it is like the term, it determines the future of the health of our planet. And so um, it is a real honor to be the president of the International Confederation of Midwives. And, you know, every country worldwide, and so in most South American countries, and in the US and Canada and worldwide, there are groups of midwives that are gathered called associations of midwives. And the International Association of Midwives is like the umbrella organization that unites 143 midwifery associations worldwide. So I speak and represent around about a, hundred, about a million midwives worldwide. But of course, I don't represent them because we really work as a global family. So we work as a team. And at the moment, I'm the president of that organization. And it's a great job. That's me. That, that's a big honor, I'm sure. That's how you feel. Yes, it really role. does. Yeah, it feels like a really, really big honor. It does feel like a big role. I'm, of course, also a mother and I'm about to do PhD defense or something totally different. And uh, I do other things as well. There's other things to life. But midwifery is what makes 
it's just what makes yeah it makes all the difference for my life and uh, yeah I'm passionate about it yeah so you did speak that the international confederation of midwives represents but what is the goal what is what do they do what's that entity's job well our aim is that the world understands what midwives are who midwives are and that uh, we understand that every woman in the world has the right to a midwife by her side, should she wish, wish, of course, but that we all have the right to access to a midwife by our sides while we are wanting to become pregnant or not wanting to become pregnant, uh, to give birth, where to give birth, how to give birth, with who to give birth, support women after birth, make sure that the woman and the baby and the family are well, and to make sure that she is in control of when, where and how she would like to get pregnant again. And that's what we do. So uh, as you mentioned offline too, why is that important? Why are midwives important in that? Well, uh, midwives are one of the oldest professions in, in the world. As soon as people were on earth, there were midwives with women standing with them while they gave birth. And it's, so it's an old art and science in one. So midwives work with their hands and their hearts. And we all know in the world that the way that we come into the world and the way we're carried when we're pregnant, and more and more information is coming out about this, really determines the rest of our life. And so midwives, to have a midwife by your side and to make sure that a midwife guides you and kind of gives continuity of care. And that means that you can access that midwife whenever you need her. She can be with you during pregnancy to support you in your choices, uh, both the man and the woman, um, to support people to how which kind of anti you know, to, to help them with contraceptives and things like that, to help them with birth, to stand with them, really helps our planet to make sure that people are born healthily into this world. And it matters because every single one of us is born. We might not all be midwives, but every person is born. And um, to have a midwife by your side helps you to make it be an experience that feels right for you. Of course, midwives work in a team. So we work at times with obstetricians, we might work with nurses, we might work with all kinds of other people. But to have a midwife by your side during your kind of sexual reproductive health uh, is extremely important so that a woman is able to stand on her own feet, make her the right choices and help her family into a healthy world. And that's why it matters. And uh, often people don't really know because I do, or we do know that medicalization has driven birth into hospital, into, into institutions. And somehow worldwide in many places, the idea has come that birth in, in an institution is safe and birth outside an institution is not. But it's not actually the institution that makes birth safe. It's the people that makes birth safe. The people that take care of the people in those institutions. At times, women in institutions are very lonely. Uh, by that, I'm not saying that women should give birth at home or wherever. I'm saying that women should give birth there, where is the best place for them and the safest for them and their families. And I think women, midwives can very much help in that. But medicalization has pushed birth into hospital, has pushed medicalization to the point that the hands and hearts of, of midwifery, the personal contact, having a relationship with someone, 
being able to look someone in the eye when you're giving birth and say, yes, I know it's hard for you. I know you feel you can hardly carry on, but you can do it. And just to be with people and build that trust, that is so, so important. And when you don't do that, you find that women get scared and fear makes the pain worse. Fear makes that we, we reach out to all kinds of interventions that might not always be necessary. And one of the indicators of that is, for example, cesarean sections. You see worldwide that the rate of cesarean section is really sky high because basically we are losing touch with giving birth normally where we can. Of course, in some places, people don't have enough medical intervention, so they don't have access to cesarean section. But in many countries like the U.S. and many countries worldwide, there's too much access and we need to try to find a balance. And I believe that midwives are perfectly placed to support the woman to be able to make the right choices at the right time. And uh, we shouldn't underestimate that and not overestimate um, medicalization because it might well save a baby. It might well make sure, you know, be sure that the woman and the, and the baby are alive, but it might be extremely traumatic. And life is not only about being alive, Life is about living a good life. So respect, being with a woman, standing with her and supporting her to make the right decisions, be that a cesarean section or a home birth, whatever is best for her and her family. That's what we do. And we really believe and the evidence shows that that is what creates, gives kind of quality care. And that is what makes sure that women give birth in the most safe way and helps her to be able to nurture her child and feel good about her birth and her family. And I'm not sure if you, you know, so many people have, of course, experienced this. So everyone has their own experience. We find as midwives that people often say, oh, I felt this or I felt that. Because everyone just about has experienced either having given birth or having their partner give birth or, of course, they've been born. So everyone has their own experiences. And, uh, but I do think many people relate to the fact that you don't only need good medical care, but you also need kind, loving care. And the kind, loving care needs to be in combination with the medical care. Without that, birth can be traumatic and it doesn't need to be. And I believe that midwives can support in that. I definitely agree. And in your opinion, do you think that the pendulum is swinging back to a little more balance with that than versus maybe 20, 30, uh, for, you know, the lowest of yeah, yeah. non hands-on care. Are we coming back? Is it getting better? What, what would you say about that? I find that hard to say. Certainly the, the, the COVID-19 pandemic is not helping. I feel with the COVID-19 pandemic, we are really swinging back. But in general, I do think maybe evidence is really strongly on the side of, of, of midwives, or actually maybe it's not even on the side of midwives, it's a si on the side of women, that women need someone that gives continuity of care, and that happens to be the midwife, because of course a midwife has no right of being virtually without a woman. So this is not really about the rights of midwives, it's about the rights of women. But midwives are often also women, and, um, and I do think we need to take care of midwives to be able to take care of women. And yes, there is a swing in, in, in a certain group. There is a swing towards women reclaiming birth and not just kind of going for all kind of medicalization, but understanding that it should be in proportion. And also those women who don't have 
enough medicalization are uh, receiving more what they should be receiving because of course in certain countries like sub-Saharan Africa women often get too little care far too late and in some countries they get far too much far too quickly and I do think the COVID pandemic is making this worse despite the fact that the evidence is really really showing that a midwife can really make the difference but COVID is doing odd things to our societies and making us choose at times not always in the most long-term way, uh, certainly when it comes to midwives. And that, so that is kind of distorting things a bit at the moment. COVID is, is, is making midwifery, is really affecting midwives and birth in a big way. Now, because most of my listeners are, are from the United States, I have some international, but um, we would love to hear more about that. Can you explain how that is impacting midwives internationally and the birth? You know, how's that how's that affecting everybody? Well, I think that what we are forgetting is that, of course, COVID-19 is, is a huge thing. And we need to, as, a, as societies, act together to make sure that it doesn't get spread. So kind of we as ICM very much support the WHO way of moving forward with COVID-19. But within that, women will still be able to get pregnant. Pregnancy is going to carry on. And uh, so in many countries, what we find is that people somehow don't know what to do with COVID and birth and pregnancy. Um, they are saying, for example, that uh, contraceptive services are not essential services and women don't need to come to uh, to institutions to get their contraceptives because it's not essential. But that means that you get more women getting pregnant. And it also means that you get more women who don't want to become pregnant getting pregnant, which is a really big issue. So you get more teenage pregnancies, more unwanted pregnancies, less spacing between pregnancies. And then when women are pregnant at times, uh, the healthcare workers don't quite know how to go about it. So in some countries, there are many more cesarean sections because it's thought, oh, well, you know, we don't want this woman to be in labor for hours, which is the norm. Let's just, you know, have had to do a cesarean section and it's quick. Or there is fear amongst the healthcare personnel and they're not well educated as to what is best for a woman when she is giving birth. And there is also COVID around. I'm not talking about her having COVID. I'm just talking about her being healthy, but in a society where there is COVID. Um, it's often just not seen as essential. But of course, there are certain things in life that uh, remain essential and Pregnancy and birth and sexual reproductive kind of health care. So being able to have access to abortion services, having access to, to make sure that you don't become pregnant is extremely important, especially in these times. And I think that is something that you're finding in certain countries is, is really not happening. And that is for the women. And on top of that, the midwives at times don't get seen as essential staff. So they sometimes get taken away from their care as being midwives and put onto wards as nurses. But midwives are not nurses. So first of all, they often don't have the right um, competencies to be nurses. And second of all, they have a risk of getting COVID. And we're seeing that worldwide. And in that way, they can yet again affect women. And women still need midwives by their sides. But midwives are being taken away at times so that there's not enough midwives to be able to care of the women uh, who are needing them for their sexual reproductive health rights and their birth uh, experiences. So that makes it really hard. And midwives often don't get PPE. 
So midwives don't get the right protective equipment. I know that in the US, in the Bronx, at the start of the COVID pandemic, midwives were wearing black plastic bags. Seriously, they were wearing black plastic bags to protect themselves and protect their families. And a disproportionate number of midwives got COVID. You see that in Peru. Peru, I think, and that is a, is a really good example, but that's just one of many. You know, I think that uh, I think I think their relate deaths related to COVID is something like something like 17, I think. But uh, but the number of midwives in intensive care is six. It's a huge amount compared to the number of total deaths of midwives being in intensive care. And that can only be because they are not seen to be needed to be protected. And so, you know, those midwives are having to buy their own protective equipment or be donated. They just don't receive it as if as if it's not an essential service. But during COVID, women can still need to take care of either not becoming pregnant or when they do get pregnant, that they're taken care of well and that there is a midwife by their side during birth. So you have to protect midwives to be able to protect women. And that's the issue. So <laughs> I just wanted to clarify, they are pulling midwives that may not have a nursing background to work at the bedside is what you're saying? Yes, that is happening, especially because there's a, a lot of issues around conflation. So you do see at times, and you see that in the state, in the United States especially, they talk about nurse midwives. Sometimes you become a nurse first before you become a midwife, and there's confusion. But midwifery is actually, generally, we take care of healthy women. And when we know that a pregnancy is not healthy, we take care of that woman with, with the issues she has in her pregnancy or refer her or take care of her together with a pediatrician. But we're not nurses. Nurses take care of the sick. And uh, uh, but somehow that's that's not really understood. Often midwives in the United States are called nurse midwives. As ICM, we're very careful. We talk about midwives and we use our definition of what a midwife is. And she is not a nurse, just like an obstetrician is not a pediatrician or is not a cardiac surgeon. You know, you mustn't confuse these things because if you confuse them, then people don't get the right quality with them and that is just not good for the quality of care. So, yes, midwives are being pulled away because it's thought, oh, well, you know, they're just caring personnel. We'll just get them to do this. But then they're pulled away from where they're needed. So that is a, that's a real issue. I think yeah, all yeah. we need to remember is that during a pandemic, pregnancy or not wanting to get pregnant, all those kinds of services around the sexual and reproductive health of women and their families still carries on. We don't stop becoming pregnant or not wanting to become pregnant. So we have to make sure that it's at the top of the list because those babies born are our future. And we need to take care of our future, especially in a pandemic. So this may be too broad of a question, but what is happening to the women that are losing access to midwifery care because the midwives are being pulled away? Where are they going? Some women are getting less care. Uh, some women are just not getting prenatal care. Some women are becoming so women who it depends on the service they're needing. So uh, when it comes to contraceptives, we know that so fewer people. Our women are receiving contraceptives. So women are becoming pregnant. And at times they can't, if they don't want to be pregnant, if it really is an issue to become pregnant, they can't reach abortion services safely. So they might do it unsafely. 
which is extremely dangerous. So the chances that maternal mortality will rise is really huge. Women just don't get care. And some women are actually scared of going into hospitals. You see that too worldwide. That Some women think, oh, but there was COVID in hospitals. I mustn't go into an institution. And But there's not the availability to have safe birth outside the institution. There's only a few countries worldwide, although it is luckily growing. The Netherlands, my country, is one where you can have safe birth at home. But many countries don't have the system whereby you're able to give birth in the safety of your home. And so women uh, don't have that available to them. So they are, are take many more risks, which they shouldn't take or shouldn't need to take. Because, again, women are giving birth to our future. But um, but this is this what happen is happening. So either women don't go themselves because they're scared or because midwives are not able to take care of them because midwives are not there or because midwives are ill or because wards where women would give birth have been assigned to COVID. All kinds of things are making it hard and it's making the difference between rich and poor really, really marked because the poor women especially will find having access even harder. Um, rich women who are well educated, they will find their way. So it's, it's putting a rift uh, in our population in the world and, and it's kind of feeding inequity. And that really, it seriously pains me, seriously pains me. It's not necessary. And especially because, again, in a pandemic, we need to take care of our future generations. And those are the babies that are being born now. So we need to make sure that women can choose when to get pregnant, how to get pregnant, where to give birth, with who to give birth. But it's happening less and less during the COVID pandemic. It's a real well, worry. I must, I must say, actually, there are a few little light points. One thing is quite interesting. I don't know if you realize um, in some areas in the world, uh, there's misunderstanding about breastfeeding. And they're saying that women shouldn't breastfeed because they might give their children COVID, especially if the woman has COVID. Actually, yes, COVID, I read that. Yeah, breast milk actually has huge amounts of mm -hmm. antibodies. The best thing to do when you're giving, if, if you have COVID and you're not too ill, of course, because you have to take care of the mother first. But if the mother is well enough, she feeds her baby. She actually protects her baby. Or she should wash her hands and she should wear a mask. But for the rest, she should feed her baby. But there are countries where they're stopping women of breastfeeding. But there where they're not, we're actually generally finding that breastfeeding is more success, successful. And that is because we think that they're being intervened with less. You know, so women are, we're not, not everyone is, not, not too many people are coming to visit. So it is more quiet and women have more time to be able to spend with breastfeeding. So we think that might be the reason why that's getting better. And there are a few other things yeah, which do look to be better. Sorry? I said, that's an interesting point. I agree. Less visitors, all yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear more about the, the positive side, too. Well, we are seeing in some countries that there's a marked drop in uh, preterm birth, which is really interesting. So in Ireland, it's nearly 30 percent drop in preterm birth. And we just don't understand why we're getting we're starting to do research. I mean, you could think of all kinds of things. Is it that people, women are being induced less? is uh, because they're having less care. And so we are not being able to medicalize where we maybe we shouldn't have. I don't know. Is it maybe that women have a bit more peace and quiet? Although I somehow can't imagine because women do most of the unpaid world, uh, unpaid work 
in the world, you know, so we do the unpaid work of working in our houses and the unpaid work of taking care of other people and the unpaid work of taking care of children often. And then we're also like you, I think, working at home. So we have our kids at home and we're working at home and we're doing everything else. I can't imagine that women have more peace and quiet at the moment. I think they're busier than ever. So I don't know that that can be a reason, but we don't know. But we are seeing it in the Netherlands as well and Denmark as well. So it's more in high income countries that we are seeing that preterm birth is dropping. That's fascinating. Uh, and in many very countries, yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. And cesarean section is rising. That's very, very sad. In many, many countries, yeah, they're doing yeah. cesarean sections to, to women when it's totally unnecessary. It's really, I think it's really violating women's rights. It really worries me. And it's also happening in the I States. Can, and South America, yeah, very much so. I can definitely see why the C-sections increase. Exactly like you said, like you don't want this person to be in labor long, too long, quicker to call a distressed baby. That is sad. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's it, and I think it's also often that people just don't know. There is fear, and fear makes us behave in strange ways. You know, often fear leads us to do things without thinking properly. But there is a lot of evidence, a lot of guidance around pregnancy and birth. There really is. I know on the ICM website, on WHO website, on the obstetricians, International Obstetricians, FIGO website, there's a lot of good information about pregnancy and birth. And we're becoming more and more familiar with it. And uh, we should by now be able to know what we should do and why it is important to have a midwife by a woman's side and why it's important for women to have to have access to, to be able to not get pregnant if they don't want to get pregnant, to be able to get services when they need them and to be able to access a midwife during COVID. We should, everyone should know if they read the right material, but there is a huge amount of over misinformation going on that is making it hard. Well, in your expert opinion, how do we move forward while in COVID, because it doesn't seem to be going anywhere, to no. get things better? Well, I think that um, we need to, as, uh, as, as the government, I think, needs to, the health ministry, but the government in general, and I think society needs to realize the importance of, um, of our future generations. We need to realize that life will carry on after COVID and we have to cherish life and so cherish birth and make sure that women are able to determine if they want to get pregnant, how they get pregnant, when they get pregnant, and when they get pregnant, that they can determine or have good quality care, because that will make sure that we have a healthy future. And, uh, and for that, they need to really make sure that, in general, the team of people that work with women when they're pregnant, so midwives, together in the team with obstetricians and pediatricians and others, should be made into an essential service. We have to be aware that they are an essential service and that needs to carry on as normal and be supported as normal and not put it to the sideline during COVID. I think if we're able to do that and let the, let the services continue, give women respectful care whereby they're able to give birth in a good way and feel good about what they've done, they're treated with skill as well as kindness, that will help us to, to make sure that we will go into a healthy future. So uh, I think it's a stance that generally governments will need to make. And I think women should call for it. I think women have the right 
And uh, it shouldn't be that as soon as we have a pandemic, women's rights to you know, determine for their bodies if when to get pregnant or not, it shouldn't suddenly disappear. We still have that right. Well, I, th I think it's a challenge when you are, you know, in the trenches working at the bedside and you're directed by a larger entity and guidance that says yeah. you can't provide contraception. You uh, have to be pulled from your specialty. How do you even push back against that? You know, you're just one person or... Yeah. It's extremely hard. What we are doing, for example, in South America, uh, the midwives associations are now having monthly meetings. Every month they all meet all together and they are making a, a one voice together. And we do do that as ICM as well. We really try to, to, to join and be a movement together with women and, and to, to really voice the importance of that. So I think that helps as well. I do also really feel for midwives in certain areas. Again, Peru is a really good example. Midwives are so tired as well. They're also trying to survive. They're also trying to protect their own families. You know, many of them are putting their families at risk. And, uh, and so I do think there needs to be a movement around midwives. There needs to be a call from society uh, to say we want our right to be able to have good quality care while, you know, during our sexual reproductive, you know, in our sexual reproductive lifespan. And um, and we need to call for midwives and support midwives so that midwives can then give that good care. And uh, so I think podcasts like what you're doing, I think this helps. It helps people to understand what's going on. And um, certainly as ICM, we just want to support midwives to, to have the right information, to know what their rights are, to link them up with other midwives who've had similar experiences so that they can learn from each other. And, uh, and in this way, to strengthen them and strengthen their voices. And certainly WHO, I think, is an organization that's really, really supporting this as well. So I think it's really important to support international organizations that we all stand together and, and, and learn from each other. That's the only way forward, is to learn from each other and, uh, and stand with midwives and protect midwives and cherish midwives. Uh, because otherwise they will not be able to give the care. They're, they're just human. Yeah, I think those are great points. And, you know, just like you said, we're, you feel tired and defeated and yeah. how to move, you know, yeah. how, what do we do? Yeah. How do we move forward? Yeah. How do you, it sometimes yeah. just feels so tiring. And It is very you know. tiring. Yeah. And midwives are, we are quite a special group. Because midwives have for a long time been quite marginalized, we are quite a, a, a strong uh, group. We, we don't give up easily. And uh, that does help us. But as I said, we are still human. And I mean, what's happening to the Peru midwives, where the numbers of you know, people that are infected, midwives infected, especially the numbers of midwives on intensive care, you know, losing your colleagues uh, because of the work that they're doing, it is deeply painful. And uh, and so we are really also trying to stand with those midwives, support them, be with them, tell them that they're doing good work. And that also helps. It does help to stand with with your with your colleagues, with your sisters, with your midwife sisters. I certainly at the moment, I really feel connected to those midwives. And I try to contact people as much as I can and the rest of our board who are spread all over the world and all the, the head office staff and all midwives associations, we do kind of meet up and try to support each other. And that too, I think, I think works. But if we get support as well, uh, it, it, it just feels, it gives us courage to move on. 
And that's and just to ask a little about Peru, um, are they getting any help, any assistance? They, they're just in such a bad state. Yes, well, um, I think there is, I mean, there's all kinds of things going on there, uh, which I, uh, I think are, is really hard. Somehow there's some issues with licenses, I know, at the moment. So some, some midwives are not able to work because they don't have the license. And uh, they're somehow not being uh, replaced. So midwives are not able to work or midwives that are sick are not being replaced. So the midwives that are working are having to work more. That really is a, a huge issue. I have understood that they are doing some education uh, through virtual platforms and that the participation in that is really going well. They're having good results. So th there is also an answer, but I think that needs to be supported even more. The shortage of protective equipment is really huge in, uh, in Peru. And I know that many midwives literally just go and buy it themselves to protect themselves and their families. And that, I think, it's, it's shameful. It should not happen, again, because midwives stand with women who give birth to our future. We seem to forget that, you know, young babies, women give birth to our future. Those are the people that will be on this earth after COVID. So we need to take care of them. But uh, the midwives are just not in Peru. It's, I mean, it's one example of many. I think Peru is, in some ways is extreme, but I do know that Iran it is very similar. All over the world, as I said, in the Bronx, midwives were wearing black plastic bags to protect themselves. So it is somehow midwives are forgotten. And that means that the world is forgetting women. And, and we can't. Women are actually just over the half of the world's population. So, and forgetting children. Yes, of course. Of course. Of yeah. course. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's part of it. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you sharing this. Uh, I think it's so good for all of us to hear what's going on internationally. We can easily get caught up in our day to day and forget <laughs> and yeah. feel tired and yeah. forget that yeah. there's lots of us that are so tired out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and if there was anything we could do at, on a United States level, I'm sure many of us would love to help with that. Yeah. Well, I do think that women in, in, in United States too, I think every, everyone can play their role by, by saying what we feel is important to us. And, 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 and I know it can be tiring, but some of the things that are happening in Peru or South America, similar things are happening in the United States, in the Hispanic population or in the populations that are poorer, um, because that's what it is. It's about poverty. And uh, so um, United States is not an exception. I promise you, I know it is happening in the United States, but it's just happening more in the poorer population. So amongst black women, amongst Hispanic women, they have so much more, many more issues, as do the black midwives in the United States have more issues with having protective equipment because you know that the racist issues that are going on that have gone on for a long time, that doesn't make it easier. So I think also in the United States, you can you know make sure that you stand for your rights to have quality care uh, when you know when you're wanting to become pregnant or not and for your birth and to make sure that you have a midwife by your side I think that uh, even doing that in, in the United States and standing for that will help the world because the United States is part of the world yes I absolutely agree and I just think uh, and seeing online and social media and just in our midwifery community there's a very large rise of supporting women of color and decreasing that mortality rate and 
increasing midwives of color. So yeah. I feel hopeful that we are turning into a more positive. I life. really hope so. I really hope so. It really is. I think it really is the time now. We really must do that. But at the moment, COVID is not making it easier. Yeah, for those, it feels like for it's those. paused things. Yeah. It has paused things. And that's why I, I really want to do a call for just remember, even in a pandemic, women still have their needs to make sure that they do or don't get pregnant and then need the care. That doesn't stop when you're, you know, people still get pregnant during a pandemic. We mustn't yes. forget that. And yes. everyone, and of course, the poor more, even more than people that are more well off and often able to find their own way. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else to add that I didn't ask? Oh, it's really great that you're doing this. And I, I do think that, I mean, I, I know this story that I'm telling, it sounds, it sounds uh, heavy. Actually, I feel I do feel optimistic uh, because I really you were saying, you know, what can American women do? And actually, in a way, you're saying, what can each one of us do? I believe that every single one of us can make a difference by simply standing in our wherever we are and standing for what we think is right. And that way we make a difference. If we all do that, it really, really will make a difference. So I do feel optimistic that it is possible to change and hopefully we will slowly realize how important it is that we take care of the future and so take care of women and so take care of midwives. We'll get so there. even doing those small things yeah. are yeah. ways that yeah. we can make a difference. Yeah. Those small things are the big things. Yeah. Collectively. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for reaching out to me and meeting with me and sharing this. This is such an important message for all of us to hear. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for giving me my voice, that's really, it, it, that's great. It makes me excited. So thank you for giving me that opportunity. And that if you enjoyed today's episode and want to be on the podcast or know someone who you think should be on the podcast, send me an email at journeytomidwiferypodcast at gmail.com.